about death and dying, Dr. Colin uh, shared on that. I was thinking about the sort of legacy that we leave. Um, when you get older, it's a bit like that. You think about legacy. Think about what's, what you're going to leave behind. What are we leaving for future generations? And I'm going to show my age here as well. Who remembers a song by Mike and the Mechanics called The Living Years? Right? Let me read for you the first verse of that. And we want to talk this morning. I want to talk about generations. And uh, this is not something we usually preach on, but I think something we need to think about right now in our society. Let me read the first verse of The Living Years to you. Every generation blames the one before, and all of their frustrations come beating on your door. I know that I'm a prisoner to all my father held so dear. I know that I'm a hostage to all his hopes and fears. I just wish I could have told him in the living years. We all want to sing it, right? You know, you can't just say that. You've got to sing it. What is he talking about in that song? He is talking about being held prisoner by something he's fa- that controlled his father, hostage to all his hopes and fears. What he's talking about is something that's passed down through generations. And he realizes that he, he blames the generation before for the problems that he's going through because these things are actually passed down. Now, what Chloe read to us before was number one of the Ten Commandments. Did you realize that? Some of you would have. And uh, so it, it's really, it has a really interesting byline. Let me remind you, Exodus 20, verse 5 says this. The Lord says, You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting iniquity, listen to this, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, we often quote that, you know, the third and fourth generation, the sins of the father will be visited on the sons to the third and fourth generation. We forget the very next line says this, but showing steadfast love to thousands, meaning generations, thousands of generations, for those who love me and keep my commandments. Yes, there are generational curses that can be passed on to the third and fourth generation, but there is also generational blessings to the thousandth generation. Now, I'm not that good at maths, but I reckon that's about 250 to 1 in favor of blessings. It's true. And I believe that we can redeem and regenerate our generation, don't you? So let's have a look at it. Each one of us is born to a particular generation, and every generation has strengths and weaknesses. Have you noticed that? You think yours is the best because you're in it, right? But we all coexist. So let me run through the generations that are in this room, and let's learn a little bit about them, and this will kind of be a little bit of fun as well. First of all, I don't think we've got any of what's called the World War II generation, uh, the World War generation, because they were born between uh, 1900 and about the 1920s. Anybody here over 100 years old? <laughs> yes. Uh, I did not see that, Renee, at all. <laughs> um, so the next generation, the silent generation, is from the mid-1920s to 1945. Anybody here like that? There's a few. Now, these were the kids who grew up through the Great Depression and World War II. They tend to have a strong work ethic and are loyal. They're frugal. They often stay in the same job for years. They are risk-adverse, generally. They are tight with their money and fearful of losing it. So they grew up through the the Great Depression. And I think they're called the silent generation because back in their days, the parents said, you need to be seen and not heard. Therefore, they're the silent generation. I think that's how it works. Next up, we have the baby boomers from 1946 to mid-1960s. Raise your hand if that's you. Look at you all. There's a few. 
this generation is generally optimistic and competitive. They like taking chances, but they still value tradition. They're careful with their money. I mean, folks, you know, some of you young ones are looking, oh, those old codgers. These are the guys protesting the Vietnam War, right? These were the guys who were there at the start of rock and roll. Respect is what I'm talking, right? This generation sometimes has trouble with technology, so they ask their grandkids to help. This is the generation that started dad jokes. They're also a generation who tend to be full of, well, back in my day, it was like this stories, when things were tougher, simpler, or better than today. They prefer printed books, magazines. They enjoy lawns and gardening, and they love classic rock. Who doesn't? Um, but please, if you want to communicate with a baby boomer, call them, don't text them. Just saying. The next generation, of which I'm actually on the border between a, a baby boomer and, and Generation X, but I'm pretty sure I'm Generation X. So all Gen Xs, which is the mid-1960s to around about 1980. How many of us are here? There's a few. Good, good to see. We're going to point the finger at each other and say, which bit are you, you know? So many of us here are uh, Gen Xs. Gen Xs tend to be independent, adaptable, embracing technology, relying on themselves and appreciating work-life work balance. We were the latchkey kids. Uh, that's what they used to call skeptical cynics. We reckon we grew up pretty tough. I mean, I mean I'm going to sound like baby boomer saying, in my day it was like this. But when we grew up, Gen Xs, we rode bikes without helmets. <laughs> up jump ramps made of plywood with nails in it. I mean, we were tough. And, and, and you could sit anywhere in the car without a seatbelt. You could sit in the front of the car beside your mum as she drove without a seatbelt. And if your mum could, if your mum's arm was not strong enough to hold you, you deserved to go through that windscreen. That's how it was. We made mixtapes from the radio. Come on. We love 80s music, even the electronic stuff. We never had a play date. I don't remember ever going on a play date. We were told to play outside. We were kicked out at, at early in the morning and told not to come back till evening. We mowed cricket pitches in the front lawn and played all day. And we had no water bottles to stay hydrated. We had a drink from the hose, from the hose. That's right. Now, that's, so that's the plus side, Gen X. Don't feel too... Don't feel too comfortable here because we also sadly committed several notable uh, fashion faux pas, leg warmers, acid wash jeans, colour change t-shirts, remember you used to sweat and they'd have different colours everywhere, and dare I say it, the mullet. The mullet is a Gen X invention. We thought we were pretty cool because we thought faxes and pages were cool. Which, of course, these days, they're not, are they, kids? Faxes, pages, very uncool. I remember a friend of mine saying he was in a line at a checkout and a very, very um, big guy was standing in front of him and his pager went off and his little boy turned to him and said, look out, Dad, he's reversing. So there you go. <laughs> this happens. Now, let's talk about millennials. Put your hand up if you're a millennial. Some of them are in the crash, you know. So... This generation, this is Gen Y, is tech-savvy and values experiences over long-term commitment. They embrace social media. And this is the generation that brought you avocado toast.
come on, it is good, is it not? In fact, many of them say they can't afford a house because they're busy paying for avocado toast. They are surgically attached to their cell phones. Uh, they love memes, 90s music and TV shows. They embrace diversity, inclusivity, and the concept of brunch and designer coffee is a Gen Y thing. Think about it. You know, before, like, back in the day, you'd ask for coffee and they'd say, do you want black or white? But now, I've actually got a slide for each of these. You're a little behind here. I'm, I'm trying to sort of show what each one is like. But now we have, when you go for coffee, you don't ask for black or white. What do you do? I would like an extra tall, extra hot, skinny, double decaf latte with a twist of caramel. Thank you. And the barista can understand you. This is the generation that invented that. One comedian that I heard joked about millennials that they cannot read cursive writing or paper maps and can't post a letter. They think that posts is what you do on Facebook or Instagram. So they, this comedian said, if the millennials ever take over the world, we can take it back by writing our battle plans in cursive writing on paper maps and mailing them to ourselves. But the millennials are very tech savvy. So they know what's going on in the world. Gen Z, or Z, Z, from the late 1990s to 2012. This generation is tech, there you go. I knew we'd have one. Tech dependent and, and digital natives, they value authenticity and genuineness. They love TikTok, reels, memes, and embrace cancel culture which is cancelling out anyone who disagrees with them. This generation, this is quite serious, they lose sleep over climate change. Very worried about climate change. The whole generation are terrified of climate change. And of course, Greta is their pin-up girl. But he, these guys can multitask on seven different screens simultaneously. You can't do that, boomers. All right? Incredible. And... The next one to come, for those of you who don't know, is called Generation Alpha, which is two, 2013 till today. They are tech-savvy, completely immersed in a digital world, and who knows, possibly the most morally confused generation in history. Okay? So I believe that we are seeing an unprecedented and malicious attack on the younger generations, especially millennials and Gen Z, and soon to be Alpha. How can they possibly withstand this satanic onslaught? They need support, input, and truth from the older generations. See, no generation exists in a bubble. It's not just you and your generations. We exist together, and the younger generations need the help from the older generations. They don't need your condemnation or judgment. They need your help. You hear me? This is important. We are looking at a generation gap. So like it or not, there is a generation gap wider than ever before. We don't talk about it as much, but there is definitely a gap. I want you to realize this morning that every generation has strengths and weaknesses, and also that every generation has something to offer Christ. And every generation is called by God, and God loves them all, not just yours. Psalm 100 verse 5 says this, For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. All generations. So the bottom line is we are in this together. I want to uh, thank and appreciate uh, the millennials, uh, the Gen Ys, and also the Gen Z, 
because, you know, we've got a lot of us older ones in the church, but I want to appreciate the younger ones that are coming. It's difficult at the moment. We're trying to renovate and that sort of stuff, but we are going to also have facilities here for young families, which we haven't got yet because we're renovating, and we apologize for that, but it is coming. We want to be a church for all generations. Do I hear an amen to that? You see, we're not just called to reach our own generation, but to reach all generations because all generations need Jesus. Old, young, in between, every generation is important to God and it should be important to us. Psalm uh, 78 verse 5 says this, He commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell it to their children so that they should set their hope in the... Uh, in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments you see how it works the older generation should train and love the younger generation then they can love their kids and love their kids and love their kids all the way along it's really really important as parents we must recognize that every decision we make mark this every decision we make has consequences not just for us but for our children and for their children that's why Moses as the people were about to enter the promised land. You remember, he said, hey, you're about to go into this land. He got people on two different mountains, one that was blessings and the one that was cursing. So he illustrated, if you, if you obey God, you get blessings. If you disobey God, you get curses. And he says, I step before you in Deuteronomy 30. I call heaven and earth as witness against you today that I've set before you life and death blessings and cursings and in case you can't forget oh gosh death but maybe death would be good no he says now choose life that both you and your offspring your descendants may live see when you choose life it's not just for you it's for your descendants future generations of your family your descendants depend on you making the right decisions now if you resist god now you not only affect your life but potentially the lives of your own flesh and blood for generations to come think about it just think about this you've got a, a guy who who's who's a young guy he says oh, i don't want any of this christian stuff it's all rubbish i don't believe in that i just want to live my life i want to go out and have fun and so he goes out and he has fun and he meets a girl who's, who's just the same way. They're just living for today. They don't acknowledge God. They get married. Eventually they have kids. Uh, those kids are not brought up in the church. They, their kids, they're not brought up in the church. You're talking about generations going to hell because you didn't make the right decision right at the start. But you think about it. A, guy, uh, a young guy grows up in church. He meets a girl in church. They fall in love. They have kids. The kids grow up in the church. The, the kids are hearing the gospel all the time. They respond to it. Then their kids respond to it. Then their kids. And so there's, a whole, there's generations blessed because you made a, a decision for Christ. You see, your decision doesn't stand alone. Your decision has a bearing not only on your life and the people around you now, but for generations to come. If you resist God now, it, it potentially affects your own flesh and blood for generations. I want to talk about spiritual DNA. You know, we talk a lot about DNA, deoxyribose nucleic acid, which is, uh, you know, we, if you watch any crime shows, they're all about DNA these days. So DNA is passed on from one generation to the next. It's called genetics, right? And, and, and so you might get bad DNA, so you might get a disease that your parents had that they give to you, 
don't get a choice. Uh, but you could get a talent or something incredible that your parents had that kids passed on to you. So it can be good or bad. And yes, it's influenced by, by the environment you're growing up in, but there is still a genetic blueprint there that is passed down from generation to generation. There is also, I believe, spiritual DNA that can be passed on from generation to generation. Ezekiel 18 verse 2 says this, What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. What's that about? The fathers eat sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set. That is a generational curse right there. The fathers do something wrong, eat sour grapes, but it's the children that suffer for it. And how many times have you seen this? This is commonplace. We don't even realize it or recognize it. Generational curses are promised to the third and fourth generation. But don't forget a thousand generations of blessings to those who come to the Lord. Still 250 to 1. What spiritual DNA are you passing on and what spiritual DNA have you inherited from your forebears? You may have had parents or grandparents who were disobedient to God or rebellious or abusive. You might not even know what they've passed on to you. And so often the sins of the father are passed down to the offspring and they don't even know it. I've got to tell you, one of the things we've noticed after, after a couple of decades almost of working with Lily House is that, that the girls who come in, and no, no disrespect to them, I'm just sharing, this is just what we've observed, that, that you, you have a girl comes in who is pregnant at 16, and then you find out that her mother was pregnant with her at 16. Then her mother was pregnant with her at 16. What is that? Is that just a coincidence? It's a generational thing passed down. right? You might say, well, it's the environment they grew up in. Maybe that influences, but there is something there. Something spiritual there. That's why you see alcoholics. They have kids. Their kids are often alcoholics. You see drug addicts. They have kids. Their kids are often drug addicts. We see it all the time because there is a spiritual generational curse that manifests through the offsprings to the third and fourth generation. But don't forget, blessing is to the thousandth. Let me give you a true life example of this with two families. <coughs> now, they track these over a couple of hundred years. Two families from the state of New York were carefully studied. One was the family of Max Dukes. The other was the family of Jonathan Edwards. And if you know Jonathan Edwards, he was a famous preacher back in the late 1700s. So they've tracked it from the late 1700s right through. Listen to what they said as a result of this study. Max Dukes was an unbelieving man, and he married a woman of like character who lacked principle. And among, among the known descendants, over 1,200 were studied. This is the results. 310 became professional vagrants. 440 physically wrecked their lives by a debauched lifestyle. 130 were sent to prison, each for an average of 13 years. Seven of them were in for murder. There were over 100 who became alcoholics. 60 became habitual thieves. 190 public prostitutes. Of the 20 who learned a trade, 10 of them learned their trade in a state prison. And they cost the state... $1.5 million over a period of time, and they made no contribution whatever to society. That's the family of Max Dukes. About the same time, about the same era, the family of Jonathan Edwards came on the scene. Now, Jonathan Edwards was a man of God. He was a pastor. He married a woman of like character, and their family began, and they became part of this study. This is the results for Jonathan Edwards' family. 300 became clergymen. 
missionaries or theological professors. Over 100 became college professors. Over 100 became attorneys. 30 became judges. 60 of them became physicians. Over 60 became authors of classical books. 14 became presidents of universities. There were numerous giants in American industry that emerged from this family. Three became United States congressmen and one became the vice president of the United States. Two families. Two decisions made at the start and the ramifications of those were felt for generations. The decision, decisions you make now really matter, not just for your life, but for your children, their children and their children for generations to come. So let me talk about we're talking about this curse that seems to follow people down out of the families of alcoholics, of families of, of, of you know, falling pregnant young and all that sort of stuff. Now, these are just, just facts, right? But there's, I've got some great news for you. You don't, have to, you don't have to put up with that. When it comes to generational curses, if you give your life to Jesus, my Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. That word passed away is parakomai in the Greek, and it means to perish. It's finished. It's done. So if your parents messed their life up, you don't have to wear that. You can be set free from any spiritual curses passed down to you. Now, we have a team that we've formed here, which I'm very excited about, which is we call our inner healing team. And what they're doing is they're, they're journeying with people back and they're praying through some of these things, either in, in, in your past life that you're holding on to or something perhaps even that your parents or grandparents were involved with that is affecting your life now. The great news is we don't have to put up with what we're dealt. We can reshuffle the pack. We can see it change. You do not have to go the way of your parents and their parents and their parents. You just don't have to. We're a new creation. So don't settle for a curse. Seek the Lord. And in the same way, a positive spiritual heritage can be passed down. You know, where, where your forebears could have honored God and they, they instilled that in you and then you honor God. But it also, it depends on you making right decisions. Because you can be the, the, the son or daughter of a great man of God, as the son of a great man of God, as the son of a great man of God, and make a wrong decision and you can lose the lot. Right? If, if you look at um, uh, the family of Billy Graham, you know who Billy Graham is, right? Well, he is William Franklin Graham II, Billy Graham. His dad was called Bill Graham. Uh, so that's the, that was the first. His son is called Franklin Graham, still William Franklin Graham III. His son is called Will, which is William, Graham, William Franklin Graham IV. And then Will's had, had a son, that's the fifth, right? Now, this, could, this, this line of great men of God who preach the gospel all around the world, see thousands and tens of hundreds of thousands of people saved, that line could have been broken because Franklin, if you read his book, he went right off the rails for a period of time. And his parents prayed for him. And then he came back and he moved into that inheritance. Listen, it depends on the decisions you make. Don't just think because you've got godly parents that you're, you know, you're going to be something for God. God doesn't have children. He, he, he has children. He doesn't have grandchildren. Right? You've got to have your own faith. You've got to find your own faith. You've got to make your own decisions. But if you have that heritage, celebrate it. And if you have the wrong heritage, break it. We can help you to do that. 
See, it's about relationship, not religion. And so often we pass down traditions, don't we? I, I heard about a, a woman who was preparing a lamb roast. Who likes lamb roasts? Yeah, that's my fave. And, and, and she, she'd get the lamb and she cut the, the shank off the end and fold it in like, like that. And the, her daughter said to her, Mum, why do you do that? And she said, well, I, I, well I, my mum always did that. Go and ask her. So the little girl went and asked the grandmother, Grandmother, why do you cut the end off the, the thing? She said, well, we've always done that. Ask, ask my mother, so your great-grandmother. And so she went to her great-grandmother and said, Great-grandmother, why do we cut this, the thing off and put it in? The great-grandmother said, because the pan was too small. And so she created this tradition of cutting the end off. and they, Their pans were big enough now, right? But they kept the tradition going. And tradition is like that. It's not bad. It's not wrong. It's just tradition. But passing on tradition to our children is not going to help them in life. Passing on our religion won't help them either. Passing relationship will. Christianity is not about religion. It's about relationship. So we need to share the gospel and disciple the next generation in their relationships with the Lord. Do I hear an amen to that? That's what we need to do. And I thank God that we've got older people like me, Gen Xers and baby boomers in the room. But we need, folks, we need to invest our lives into the younger generations. They need our input, but we need to love them and accept them and care for them. Psalm 145 verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. So we, we talked earlier about the different generations, what they want, and how they think and what's important to them. So if you are a, a silent generation of Boomer or Gen X, this is your chance to be a positive influence to the younger generations, to commend God's works and God's laws and His mighty acts to another generation. See, we don't need a generation gap in this country. We need Sally's gap filler. That's what we need. You and I, older ones, we can be a gap filler to fill in the gap instead of accentuating it. So what is it that each generation seeks? Well, it's interesting. When I think about that, we went to a conference a couple of years ago and they got millennials up on stage. And they said, we want to find out what millennials are looking for in a church. And so they got four millennials up on stage. One was from a country church, one was from a city church, another was a suburban church, and the other was a house church. And they said to each of them, what are you looking for in a church? Because they thought as pastors, we'd want to know that. We definitely do want to know that. And I thought they would say, well, we want loud music. We want modern music. We want flashing lights, smoke and video walls and all that sort of stuff. But they didn't. Every single one of those, uh, those kids said, we're looking for community, for relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with people around us. If we are to win other generations to Jesus older ones, your generation has to give the young people what they're looking for, relationship and community. So church, how are we going to win our generations to Christ? Doctrine or dogma won't, won't cut it. Rules and religion won't win them. We have to love them and we have to show them demonstratively that we love them. Even the ones we don't like. And mark this, even the ones we don't agree with. Show me in the Bible where it says you've got to agree with people to love them. It doesn't. 
You can love someone without agreeing with them. I've spoken on this before. I love my wife. I don't always agree with her. She loves me. She barely ever agrees with me. Because I'm mostly wrong, I think. But, but the, the thing is, loving someone is not about agreeing with them. You can still love them. So what does it mean for us? We'll have a look at our current society and what's going on. Let me tell you something. You cannot hate a homosexual into the kingdom. You cannot trash a transgender into the kingdom. You can't. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says this, Be watchful, stand firm in faith, act like men, be strong. We're good with that. We can be strong on these issues. That's fair enough. I'm not backing down on any of that stuff. But then it says this, Let all that you do be done in love. So you can disagree with people and love them. I have homosexual friends. I love them very much. I tell them so. Uh, I don't agree with them. They don't agree with me. It's fine. I can still... They know I love them even though I don't agree with them. Right? So I think it's important that we recognize this. Now let's look at an entire uh, Jewish generation that because of sin and unbelief, God condemned to perishing in the desert instead of raising up the next generation to fulfill the promise of inheriting the land. So there's a generation came to the edge of the promised land. You remember the story there in Numbers? They sent in a team of spies, 12 of them, one from each tribe. They came back, 10 of them said it's a beautiful land. Well, all 12 said it's a beautiful land, but 10 said we cannot take it because it's full of giants and, and we'll get beaten and it's just all terrible. And two said, no, by faith we can take this. Numbers 14, verse 22. God said this. He was so mad about this. He really was. None of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice, none of them shall see the land I swore to give to their fathers and none of those who despise me shall see it. God said that entire generation, you're not going in. You're going to wander the desert till all of, all of you die out and then I'll take the next generation in. In fact, God said... Um, No, I'll get to that in a minute. Okay, there were two exceptions from that. Joshua and Caleb. Listen to what it says a few verses later. Not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell, except Caleb, the son of uh, Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. Then this is the bit. But your little ones, who you said will become prey to all of these people, I will bring them in and they shall know the land that you have rejected. See, what happened was God rejected an entire generation and said, you can just wander in the desert for a while. But there were two guys from that generation who went in and took the land, Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because Joshua and Caleb's faith transcended a generational curse. And in the same way, your faith and my faith can transcend a generational curse that has even at this moment been spoken over the lives of this generation in this nation. You see, people are getting down. They're getting worried about you know the voice and they're getting down about all the sex stuff and all this i understand that but we need to take our eyes off all that and put it straight on jesus because as far as i can see we are a blessed generation folks we know as we look around the world it's a mess you think about covid vaccines abortion sexual issues poverty homelessness australia is a mess morally we are a mess if God doesn't judge Australia, he will have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. We are facing it right now. Yet, we as believers, we can say 
with confidence. We are the most blessed generation. We can be blessed and we can bless the, our generation by being faithful to God's truth and shining for him when all around is dark. Listen, you, I light a candle here. You would see it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's shining a little bit, but you will barely see it. But if we make this place totally blacked out and you light a candle, it'll, wow, it'll blow you out. The darker it is, the brighter you can shine. And that's our challenge, is to shine the brightest in a, in a dark generation like this. The Proverbs writer, writer Asaph, I believe he was looking forward to the end of time, at the end time generation when he wrote in Proverbs 30, verses 11 to 14. Let me read this to you because this reads like what I'm seeing around today. Some, some translations say there is a people. King James gets it right. It says, There is a generation who curse their fathers and who do, do not bless their mothers. There is a generation who are clean in their own eyes but are, are not washed of their filth. There is a generation, how lofty are their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. This is a generation whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives to devour the poor from off the earth, the needy from among mankind. We are living in that generation. People despising their parents and their parents', parents values. No, we've got a better way. People saying, well, I'm clean, I'm okay, I'm good. And yet their life is full of filth and they can't see it. We are living in that generation. We live in a godless, angry, self-centered, Christ-rejecting generation. But don't get down about it. Don't get distracted by evil. Get motivated and get about the kingdom's business. We are in the best spot ever. I always look back in history and thought, wouldn't it be great to be part of, you know, some great war or some great thing, you know, back in, you know, to be part of this war or that war or, or, or to be part of this that happened or to see the invention of this, that or the other. We are living at a moment in history. This is our time. This is our generation. How exciting. We get to stand for Christ and we have the honor of reaching out to this wayward generation that's destroying itself. This is our moment in history. We are blessed as a generation of believers and I believe we are raised up for such a time as this, don't you? You're not here by accident. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, famous verse you are a chosen race. He doesn't say a frozen race. So loosen up. You are a chosen people, a chosen race. In the Greek, that is the word genos, tribe, stock, offspring, generation, if you like. A royal priesthood. Now, back in the day, priests and kings were different. They couldn't operate in each other's spheres back in Bible times. But he's saying you are a royal priesthood. They're combined together. When you come to Christ, you can be a king and a priest. You can be a princess and a priestess, all in one. A people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. <clears throat> we can proclaim his excellencies to our generation. We can proclaim truth to this generation. And like Joshua and Caleb, our faith can change the spiritual DNA of what's going on around us. Our faith can do that if we are willing. Proverbs 20 verse 7, the righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. So right now, I believe God is calling each one of us to take an active role in the drama of the ages that's unfolding as we speak. Our faith for our generation will change the course of history. Are you in? Because I believe we can do that. So let's talk about reaching the nations as I wrap it up. 
I believe we can reach all of our generations for Jesus. X, Y, Z, boomers, alpha, whatever. What do we need to do to reach our generation? What are the steps we need to take to reach our people? Whether we're old or young, what are the steps we need to take? Number one, get serious about our life right now. <clears throat> this life you have is not a dress rehearsal. It's, it's not a computer game where you can die and then start again and try have a second go. This is the only life you get. This is it, right? And so my question to you is, how are you going to use this one life you've got? You can sit around wasting it. You can. Completely valid if you want to. But I don't know about you, but I want to use my one life while I've got it to do everything I can to advance the kingdom of God. Anybody with me? Right? Hebrews 9.27 says this, just as, man, just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that the judgment. That word appointed in Greek is the word apokame, which, which is made from a word kame, which means to lay up or accumulate, and it actually means reserve. This has been reserved for you. You know, you, 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 you make a booking at a hotel or something, they reserve that for you. So what that verse is saying, man has been appointed to die once, what it's saying is, because kame means the, the accumulating or like a pile of grain, sort of laying it up. What it's trying to say really, I believe, is that the, the decisions we make are laid up for a time reserve when we will die and we will face judgment. The decisions we make are being laid up for that time. Don't you want to use this one life you've got for good, for God, to lay up righteous decisions for you and for future generations? So step one is we have to get completely devoted to, to, the, to the Lord and to the advancement of his kingdom. I don't know about you, I'm not here to make up the numbers. I'm not here to plan a church and say, oh, that's nice, we've got a nice church. I don't do nice. I want to take this town for Christ. I want to take this state for Christ, then this nation for Christ. And I intend to burn brightly with everything I have and everything I, I can give to reach that end. The second thing is to make a commitment to loving and reaching all generations. See, the younger generation needs your love, support and guidance, older ones. They don't need your condemnation. They don't need to be told they're lazy, that oh, these, this young generation is no good. They're sick of hearing that. What they need is for you to say, I believe in you. I see a future for you. I, I believe you can be someone incredible. I'm going to do everything I can to invest in you so that you will rise up to win generations. That's what we've got to see, folks. Don't say you don't look down on the other generations because we all do. We've got to stop it. Seriously, we've got to stop it. They don't need our condemnation or to be told they're lazy or to be told that you had it tougher. We all know you had it tougher. You didn't have the internet. We can't even imagine that. You guys had a, a refidex and you go, I'm, I think we're kind of going, um, now hang on, we're, you know. Yeah, that, that was tough using refidex, man. That was really, wow. I tell you, these guys have it morally tougher than we will ever know, ever know. There's more pressure on them than there has ever been on us. We need to love and support the generations coming through. Psalm 78 verse 6 says, 
that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell it to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget His works, uh, the works of God, but keep His commandments. We can invest in a younger generation and in their younger generation and their younger... We can keep investing in them because they are not the future of the church. They're the church right now, folks. Don't think the kids that go into kids' church and go into... Don't think they're the future church. They're the church right now. Last I saw, they're part of us. And we have to invest in them so that their children and their children can praise God. The third thing you can do to fulfill your destiny uh, and, and to fulfill your destiny in your generation is to make sure that if you are struggling to live a, a, a victorious Christian life, that you need to be set free from adverse generational spiritual DNA effects. And we spoke about it earlier, but listen, if you have bitterness, pain, regrets in your past, or if your parents maybe were actively against God, maybe witchcraft or alcoholism, atheism, Freemasonry, something like that, I believe you need to clear that stuff out, right? It's it's, it's, It's not a crazy, weird thing. We're not going all sort of super Spiro here. This is a real thing. And if anything is holding you back, you need to, the Bible says, throw off that which encumbers us, the sin that encumbers us. If it is encumbering you, if you are not getting breakthrough in your life, we have a team in this church who can care for you and can set you free from some of that stuff. And I kid you not, it is, it is going gangbusters because God is in it. Right? We, we are not naive enough to suggest that one prayer for someone one time is going to solve every problem you have. But we can walk the road with you and care for you and love you and set you free from the things that are holding you back. Because I don't know about you, I don't want anything to hold me back. I don't want any attitude. I don't want anything in my past. I don't want anything in, 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 in my parents' past. Nothing to hold me back. We can have a new DNA starting today because you're a new creation. And you're in a new family. Romans 8. Uh, for all those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, Abba, long before it was a 70s pop band, was the Aramaic familiar word for father, which we sometimes translate as daddy, but it's got more respect than that, but just as much intimacy. God wants to have an intimate relationship with you. If something is holding you back, this is your moment to get rid of it. Your true spiritual DNA is as a child of God. So don't grapple with the past any longer. We can make the past past at last. If you are struggling to forgive or forget something in your past, if you look back with regret on on something that happened in your past, then I want you to pray with me. We want you to be set free so that other generations, previous generations are not affecting you, but so that you can impact other generations. You see, we're in it together, aren't we? All of us together. There is not a generational war in this church. We want to be those who fill the gaps. We want to be a a church that embraces all generations. Would you bow your heads? Some of you may be wondering what we're talking about here, but you, you would have a, an awareness that in your past or maybe your parents' past that something has gone wrong and, and, it's, and it affects you now. Maybe your parents' attitude. Maybe it's, it's like you're chopping the end off that roast 
and you don't even know why you do stuff, but stuff happens and you don't understand it. And I believe that we need to come to Christ right now and we need to, to rid ourselves of that. And it may take a little bit of time and a little bit of a journey, but I guarantee you the latter rain shall be greater than the former. That when the sun sets you free, you shall be free indeed. So if you've never asked Jesus into your life, we have to start there. If, if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, we must start there. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Most of you are Christians, but if you are not, please pray this prayer with me. Together we can conquer the past generations and have you positively impact future generations. If that's you, if you've never asked Jesus into your life, pray this with me. Or maybe you did in the past and you're not sure. If you're not sure this morning, this is the moment to do it. Your decisions will echo through time for generations. So let's make a good decision right now. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry I've sinned. I've turned away from my sin and I turn to you. Come into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Spirit. And help me to lead a life that brings glory to you. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe you're just making sure this morning, that's completely valid. I just want you to shoot your hand up where it is right now and put it down quickly. Just very quickly. Yep, there are any others? Yep, good, good. Now let me talk to the rest of us who are, who are believers because the same thing applies. If you experience a lot of negativity, if something in your past is holding you back with God, if, if, if some regret or pain is affecting you, if you want to grow in God but you just keep hitting, hitting, hitting a ceiling, well, this morning we want to pray for breakthrough. And I want you to have the courage of Caleb and Joshua and say to the Lord, I will do anything to take that land. I will do anything to clear out whatever junk is in the past because I want to impact my generation. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to cry out to God and say, Lord, I know stuff is holding me back, but I give it to you. So pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know there are things in my past that are holding me back. But right now, Lord Jesus, I yield them all to you. Have your way. Touch my life and help me to reach my generation. If that is you and you've just prayed that prayer, I want you to shoot your hand up wherever you are quickly and put it down. And there'll be a lot of you. Look at that, there is. Okay, let's stand together. I believe God is starting something this morning. There is a lot of hands raised because we look back at our past and we realize stuff is holding us back. And I want you this morning to respond, to have the faith of Caleb and to step out and respond. I'm going to ask you if you prayed that prayer to come to the front. I know some of you feel a bit weird about doing that, but I want you to be set free this morning. Right? I don't want you to grapple with this. and I want your life to be transformed that we can meet generations. So we're going to sing, I Speak Jesus. 
and I'm going to ask you to the front because God is going to do miracles here. And it's not just going to start and finish here. I believe that there's going to be an ongoing walk because sometimes it takes a little bit of time. You know, we pray at the front and people are set free. Come right to the front. There's a lot of us here. Come on. Come right to the front. Now, sometimes we pray at the front and, and some of us are set free. But it's kind of like putting a whippersnipper through the weeds. You know, you chop them all down and it looks like they're gone. But there's a root that's still down there. The only way you overcome it is to get rid of the root. And it will take some time and effort to do that. That's what our inner healing team is here for. To take you through that journey and get rid of roots that are deep down. It could be a bitterness. It could be, you know, failing to forgive someone. This is your moment to say, Lord... I want to clear that stuff out and I want to start afresh. So we're just going to sing this through a couple of times. It's going to go so quick. But don't hold back. If God's spoken to you this morning, respond to Him. Have the faith of Caleb. I'm going to take that mountain no matter what.